Would you pray with me as we dive in to this time in his word? Lord, I thank you so much for the privilege that it is to be called yours, to gather here this morning with your people and to know that you are our God, to rest in the completed work of Jesus, our Savior, to be changed, Lord, by your grace and experience your love, your forgiveness, life today. We pray now as we enter into this passage, these uh, words for us that you have given, we pray that you would uh, open our eyes, that your spirit would illuminate your truth to our hearts, not just our minds, but our hearts so that we would be changed and grow and and then carry your name rightly as we should as we walk through this world. We love you, Lord, and it is in your name that we pray. Amen. Well, this sermon is a very fitting handoff from last week when we considered God's holy word. We said that from Psalm 119, verses 80, uh, verse 89, that forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed or settled in the heavens. God's word is that way because God is that way. His word is true because God is true. His word is, uh, is forever because there's no new information. God is not changing and therefore his word is the final word. And now we move back into Exodus this week and we consider verse 7 of chapter 20. It is in fact the third commandment. It relates to the, the name of the Lord. God's holy name is what I titled this sermon. And it's my prayer that as we move through this, we would appreciate more the, the weight of God's name and be more equipped to rightly speak it and regard it as we walk through this life. I want to begin by just reading over this commandment, just one verse, verse 7, and then you'll see on your notes there are a number of uh, places to fill in the blank here as we go. I find it very helpful to come back to these notes, and so be careful, be a good student, and, and fill those blanks in as, as we move through here. I think you'll find it a very helpful part of, of learning and understanding this passage. The commandment is this, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Why is the name of God so important to God? What is it about God's name that is such a big deal to God? I want to begin by considering the holiness of God's name. The holiness of God's name. It says in Psalm 138, verse 2b, that you have exalted above all things your name and your word. So last week, we, we looked at his word and and this week, we look at his name. Your name, O Lord, is exalted by you above all things. That's an interesting way of putting it. Why is it that he would do that and, and describe it that way? Well, in the scriptures, someone's name carried with it a representation of their character and their ability. Uh, the, the name that they carried mattered. In fact, 
you, you see this as significant because many times throughout Scripture, God actually changes someone's name. Abram's name was changed to Abraham by God. Uh, Jacob was renamed by God to carry the name Israel. Uh, and then on down through the line, you see many name changes as God hits the scene in people's life and they are changed by God. In fact, when we named our children, we gave the name to Ethan, uh, Ethan Judah Pickens. Ethan means strong. Judah means praise, strong praise from this son. We pray, O oh God, that he would be a man whose life and whose words and whose heart would would greatly or with great strength praise you. And then we named our daughter Grace Delight. She whose delight is in God's grace. We, we, we name her with a prayer, but we've also found these, these names are, are indicative of them as they grow up. Uh, to speak the name is to, is to speak the greatness or the glory of God. There is a, a weightiness. The, the, the name of God carries the weight of His glory, you could say. Which means that it is not okay to just lightly toss around His name. You see, in this command, there is a, uh, a seriousness, a, a weightiness with which we are to speak His name. Moses said, please show me your glory. And God said, I will make my goodness, all my goodness, pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. Isn't that interesting? Moses says, I want to see your glory. God says, okay, I'm going to speak my name. I will, I will pass by in all my goodness and speak my name, the Lord. The great I am, Yahweh. And then he adds this. This is just a little glimpse again into the very nature of God. What does God see in uh, his estimation of his godness? What does he see? Is he, is he going to communicate his name? He says, the Lord, and then he adds, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. What does that mean? Well, it means that above all of these things, God is free. He is the creator. He is not the creature. He is the author. He, he is the one who is free. He does as he pleases in the heavens. He is sovereign. He is Lord. He is the Lord over all. Awesome. So to behold the glory of God is, in a sense, captured in His name. God is infinitely serious about His glory. That's one way to say it. God takes extremely seriously uh, the way that His glory is esteemed. In fact, you could even say that sin, at, at its basic level, sin is the belittling of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Sin is, is falling short of His glory, belittling His glory, failing to feel the weight and appreciate the fullness 
of God's majesty in all that he is. And his name is to carry such weight in the, the mouths of his people. Not light, not just tossed around, but weightiness, care, regard for his name. What does it mean to take God's name? Uh, take God's name. You, you shall not take my name, the name of the Lord your God in vain. To take it. Well, obviously it means to speak it, but it also can, can carry this idea that, that we would carry the name of the Lord. We are his representatives. We, we even refer to ourselves in this way. I am a Christian. I am a Christian. I, I carry the name of Christ as identity wherever I go and whatever I do. And so my words are not only speaking, but my words are representing, as is my life, the very name of the one who saved me, the God who is. Someone once said it this way, the way we treat God's name should be the way we would treat God himself. The, the regard that we esteem and show to the name of the Lord should be synonymous with the way that we would esteem the Lord himself. So it's completely inconsistent for God's people to be in worship, speaking his name, and then to walk out of the church building and toss it around as a byword or a curse word. There is a holiness to the name. It is to be set apart. It is not like any other name. Now, what does it mean to take God's name in vain? What does that mean? To take his name in vain. Vain uses of God's name. Number one, I would just say there is a, a category here that was especially in view as this command was given. And that category would be to falsely use God's name. To speak it, but not mean what you're saying to employ the name of God to give weight to something that you're saying even though you're lying you're not speaking the truth so dishonesty would be very much in view dishonesty the way we handle it in our day it's I put my left hand on the Bible right and I raise my right hand and then these words are spoken I pledge to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me, right, God. So help me, God. Now, I just named his name. In do I've got my hand on his word. What am I doing in this? I am saying that by his name, all that he is, which is truth, and by his word, which is spoken and settled forever in the heavens, which is truth, I speak the truth in all that I say. Imagine doing that and then lying, not speaking the truth. That is to take his name in vain. When politicians or presidents are sworn in, hand on the Bible, right hand in the air, the promises, the pledges that are made, are they speaking truth? 
That is one example of it. In fact, in in Leviticus 19, verse 12, we read this. God says this, You shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. What is he saying? I am the Lord. That is my name. I speak the truth. Therefore, you are to speak the truth. Don't lie and drag me into it and name my name to somehow give credibility to your falsehood. That is a vain use of the name. Jesus came on the scene and he said it this way in Matthew chapter 5, verse 37. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. People would come before the temple and they would say, I swear by the, uh, the foundation of the holy temple. Or I swear by the, uh, the, 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 the blood of that sacrifice that I'm telling the truth. Or I swear by the, the great walls of Jerusalem. You see, what, what was happening is, is that they were, they were speaking words that somehow needed to be lent credibility by this swearing. Jesus said, uh, it's a lot easier if you just tell the truth all the time. Just speak what is true. If you're going to say yes, then do it. If you're going to say no, then don't do it. But don't make a promise with your fingers crossed behind your back. That is a vain use of the name. Hmm. God is the God of truth. His people are to be defined as a people of the truth. And that means that the words that we speak need to be true words. Pay attention to this, friends. We need to be truth tellers. We need to be careful not to exaggerate. We need to be careful not to be lost in uh, the fog when it comes to what is right from wrong, true and false. And name his name. Speak the truth. Another way falsehood can be employed in using his name would be hypocrisy. Think about this, the way that I carry his name. Does my profession match my practice? Do the words that I speak fall consistent with my heart as I speak them? Oh, this is convicting, isn't it? How important it is to be real, to be true, not fake, to come on Sunday morning, to just paint on a smile, sing and say words, and then go home. And at the end of the day, I don't mean them. Lord, reign in me, rule in my life, when at the same time in my heart I'm saying, no, I don't want that. That's not okay. Hypocrisy. To stand here in front of all of you and to speak words from God that address all of us while I would say, eh, I don't really want those words. But you definitely should. See, that, that doesn't fly. That is to take his name in vain. So it applies to the one who teaches and preaches. It applies to the one who carries the name. Hmm. Sin is slippery, 
and the warnings are clear. It would be easy for us to carry a truth and think that others should benefit from it while at the same time not concerning ourselves with it as we speak it to them. Hypocrisy, brutal, brutal, poisonous, vain use of the name, changing God's name. I'll just hit this briefly. Uh, We talked recently about the, the movie The Shack and how it was a complete shattering of the second commandment. I would also say Another reason why that movie or that book uh, is, a, is a problem is because it, it renames God. It takes the God who is and who has given his self-disclosure in his word with authority and sufficiently so. And it, it says, well, I kind of prefer to think of God the Father in this way. I will call him kind of the, the divine initiator. Or maybe we call the Son the, the divine, uh, I don't know, made visible. And the, the Holy Spirit, maybe we'll just call uh, him the, the force, right? I mean, th- just, I just get that better. Right? Who am I to tell the God who is and has revealed himself what his name should be? That, that is pretty audacious. That's quite arrogant. Imagine if I came to you and I said, I know you named your children this, but really, uh, I don't like those names. They don't really work for me. I think instead we should name them this. I don't think you would really be excited about that. God has the authority to change our name. We have no authority to change God's name. It is serious and it is vain to do so. So falsely using God's name is one way that we break this commandment. Secondly, forging God's name, forging his name. Now, this is also a falsehood, but I would say it's, it's got a little different emphasis, a little different angle. The first category of this I would call false prophecy. And this might be something that some of you are familiar with based upon maybe the church that you grew up in. This is what it would sound like. Well, uh, brother, sister, God told me that you, boom, 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 right? God told me. Okay, and let me just qualify this. God does prompt through his spirit and his word. God speaks in his word clearly. There is a a moving of God, yes. But to say these words, God told me, is a very shaky thing to say. Because what can happen is, is if I have an agenda or an idea and then I employ those words, I have just rubber stamped divine authority on what I want to say. Maybe this one. God told me to tell you fill in the blank. I I literally had lunch with a man just this past week who said uh, he was at a church And uh, a woman came up to him and said to him very directly, uh, God told me to tell you that you should pay my medical bills. (laughs) I mean, really, can you imagine? He's like, well, you know what? I didn't get that message. Yeah. You see what's happening here? How easy it is to just say, this is what I want, 
And in order to get what I want, I'm going to rubber stamp divine revelation, divine authority upon my words. And then, I mean, who can argue, right? When I was at Moody, we heard this from time to time. Well, God told me that you are supposed to marry me. The girl was like, hey, that's, a, that's weird. Because if he told you that, he certainly hasn't told me that yet. How do you disagree with someone who says that? It's forging the name of God. Now, I, I want to give you a, a real clear example of this, and I, I want to do so with care because I know that this is a bestseller and there are variant versions of this book that are being mass-produced and sold on mass-market levels. The book by Sarah Young titled Jesus Calling. Jesus Calling. Uh, one of the things I confess uh, is that I actually bought a couple copies of this book and gave it to some folks who were uh, in a difficult time. I thought it was a devotional, and I didn't do uh, due diligence in reading. Even the introduction would have helped me understand what really is going on here. And so what happened is I found out after the fact, and then I felt really bad. Sarah Young says some wonderfully uh, helpful things in this devotional, but the problem is, as you read the introduction, you find that she is at a place in her life, uh, as she looks back on this book and how it came about, basically she says, I, I was not getting enough from the Word of God. I found it insufficient. So the sufficiency of Scripture is in view. And she then says, what I needed was a fresh word from God. I needed to hear from, from Him. And so she began to write down her thoughts and she wrote them as if God was speaking to her these words. And then she kind of assembled them together and put them into a book. But here's, here's where things took a very serious turn. She titled the book and then continues to refer to these things as Jesus calling. Jesus calling. That's a problem. That's a problem. I believe she breaks the third commandment in doing so. It's one thing to say these are some really powerful truths that I have found in God's Word. Here's what the verse says and here's how it has met me in a powerful way to encourage me and, and strengthen me. That is inspirational and devotional, right? That, that's pointing to the Word of God and giving praise to God. That's not what she's doing here, though. She is writing words that enter her mind and then naming them as words of God. Word, they're Jesus' words. And then selling them to people who, I guess similarly, are finding the Scriptures to be inadequate. This is serious and dangerous. Here's the other problem I found with this book. Is anytime someone just writes their kind of thoughts of God, they're going to be inclined to certain attributes of God and maybe set against some of the other attributes. So you find in this book, God is extremely uh, encouraging and gentle and, and loving and he's esteeming her and, and he loves me and he's, he wants to encourage me and build me up and, and, and that's all true. But what you find very little of is the conviction of sin, uh, the seriousness of, of disobedience, the the call to turn from sin, the, the wrath of God is, 
is very lightly handled, it becomes a very man-centered book very quickly and therefore then shatters the second and the first commandment as well. These are dangerous things. So if you have this book, I don't mean to offend you, but I mean to equip you. Read carefully. If you don't have this book, then don't buy it. Don't, don't waste your money on it. There are far better materials that you can get that will serve you in your walk with the Lord than one that claims to be divine revelation in this form, breaking these commandments. So, forging the name of God, false prophecy. Another forgery of God's name would be manipulation. To manipulate God's word. To, in, in a sense, employ His name to gain profit or power or popularity. Oh, the prosperity gospel has grown uh, just wealthy in this way. To prey upon people by naming the name of God and filling their bank accounts. Well, God told me that we have to raise a million dollars, and if we don't do so, well, then he won't be pleased. So start giving, right? Or uh, in God's name, touch your hand to the screen and yada, 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 yada. What it is, right? They are forging the name of God for their purpose, for their advancement, for their profit. That is vain. It is a breach of the third commandment. It is serious. And I, I still marvel that people are falling prey to this, especially on TV, after all the examples of, of hypocrisy and just embezzlement and all of the things that we've seen over the years. People just continue to channel money in. It's so disturbing. You fly into Africa. One of the first things you see is the mass market success of gospel, uh, prosperity gospel materials. Give me your money and you will become rich like me. Vain use of God's name. So falsely using God's name, dishonesty, hypocrisy, or changing it, Forging God's name in false prophecy or manipulation. Then a third category I would call the flippant use of God's name. To have light regard when speaking His name. To fail to feel the weight of the glory of God when I speak His name. One category of flippancy with the name of God would be mindlessness. To just mindlessly speak His name. Jesus said this, teaching his disciples how to pray. He said, listen, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. What is Jesus saying here? In a sense, you, you see him saying, it, use your mind when you pray. Paul reiterates that when referring to speaking in tongues. I would rather speak five words with my mind. Then a thousand without. The, the point is, is to think about what you say and speak the name of God, not carelessly or lightly or flippantly, but purposely and with care. It's easy to take the name of the Lord, even in prayer. And, and this is a challenge. We've, 
especially those who have walked with the Lord for many years, it's very important for us when we pray not to just speak the name of God lightly. Lord this, Father this, God this, Jesus, Spirit, boom, boom, back, forth, boom, boom. Sometimes it, it, it's easy to turn the name of God into a comma so that I just say his name when I'm trying to figure out what else to say or when I'm moving from one thought to the next and I just fill in the blank with Lord, Lord God, Jesus, Jesus, Lord, right? Now, I, I, I want to say this carefully because I, I, I don't mean to critique your prayers. I certainly have to battle this myself. It's important that we say his name carefully and with high regard. Had a busy day. We all sit down to the dinner table. Thank the Lord for this food. In Jesus' name, amen. Right? No. That, 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 we, what have we done there? We have dealt lightly, flippantly with the name of God. It's important to pause. Stop what we're doing. Focus in. We're about to thank the Lord of heaven and earth, the one who sustains our hearts and the one who spoke all into being. We're going we're gonna to come before him with gratitude for his provision once again of this bounty, this food. Now, Lord, we do thank you. You see the, the difference. Some of these memorized prayers I find very challenging. If you grew up in a, in a home where you did these memorized prayers, you just, bam, 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 now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, pray the Lord my soul to take. Amen. It's, it's almost like we've turned a prayer into a potion or a rabbit's foot. It, that is not prayer. That's not the purpose of prayer. And I think if we lightly name God's name in that, we offend and we sin. So mindlessness, whether it be in prayer or in song or in worship or in just walking with him through the week. But secondly, a category of flippancy would be silliness, silliness. This, too, is a challenge for those who've walked with God for a long time. I think especially like our worship team that gathers each week to rehearse for a couple of hours the songs that they're going to lead the congregation in singing. And the way that we rehearse on Thursday needs to have regard for the God who is. The lyrics of these songs carry a weight. I saw a video recently go across Facebook where there was a, a worship team that was just showing off kind of some skill on the piano and doing amazing things. And they were singing almost just jovially and jokingly about the blood of Jesus. That, that doesn't square, does it? And so I would say this, joke prayers and joke singing are off the table for the believer. A, a light regard to make a prayer uh, to the Lord who is the, the, the almighty God and to pray it with the goal of getting a laugh out of those who hear is a disregard for the glory of God. It is a breaking of this commandment. 
It's sinful, I believe, and serious. To take words of a song and to sing them as a joke when speaking of serious things of our redemption, our salvation, the God who is, is offensive and wrong. Another category of flippancy in employing God's name or using God's name would be just irreverence. I find this a category not just with words spoken, but, but also just with the way that Christian slogans are tossed about. Uh, the culture of mass market Christian material sometimes has little regard to, to no regard for the weight of the name of God. Here's an example of this on a Christian t-shirt. It's the Mountain Dew logo, but the words are changed. And, and this is what it says. So with a green backdrop, right? Jesus meant to die for you. Instead of Mountain Dew, it's Jesus meant to die for you. Uh, that's just stay out of the gate. First of all, that theology is awful. That is not biblical theology, but, but even set that aside, we're speaking of the death of Christ. The most heinous crime ever committed turned into a Mountain Dew logo to be worn on a t-shirt and carried about. I would call that irreverent. That is a flippant use of the name. This is far worse. A NASCAR logo, right? With the NASCAR logo. And then instead of saying NASCAR, it says nail scar. Nail scar. And then below it is written, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. And then peel out marks are making a cross. Th these realities are no light, just joking manner. Oh, I thought it said NASCAR. Yeah, it says nail scar. No, that is irreverent. You don't just walk into a death chamber, a gas chamber, at Auschwitz and, and, and just crack a joke, right? That, that is not a place for even talking. We saw this recently on the news when one of the uh, uh, senators walked in and, and did a, a selfie video and, and then shared that on Facebook. He was rightly corrected for his horrible uh, breach of respect for that place. Why? It's not like other places. You don't walk in there lightly. You walk in with a somber reverence for the history of what took place in that location. All of the lives that were taken there. If that, then certainly we should not lightly toss around the cross of Jesus Christ. Kevin DeYoung said he came across a t-shirt that said it was the, the Budweiser logo and they had changed the words to this bloods for you that's horrible it's offensive it's a vain use of the name now lastly the flippant use of god's name would be profanity this is the one that we tend to think of when we uh, read the third commandment right i mean this is it's don't use the name of the lord in vain that's me that means we shouldn't be cussing with it or or being profane with his name. And that is true. That is true. I pray that you see it even bigger than that, but it certainly is that. To turn the name of God into an 
exclamation of surprise, shock, or frustration, or anger, is to be flippant with the name. Oh my God! Those words are to be used in expression of glory and praise as the psalmist raised his soul and his heart in joy to the Lord, the Almighty God who is. You are high and lifted up. The heavens cannot contain you. Right? In that place, in that way, those words recognize His majesty and His greatness. But if they are not used in that way, they are an offense to the God who is. Why? Because they belittle His glory. They're just tossed to and fro. I kind of just think we should reclaim the word wow! Right? I mean, wouldn't that be a good idea? Just the word wow? If we could say that more, we could avoid breaking that command. Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. The One who was sent by the Father to live a perfect life, to die an atoning death, to satisfy the wrath of God, to be raised after three days, to offer life to all those who believe in His name and look to Him as Savior, Lord, and treasure. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. His name is not an exclamation to your surprise. Hell is a real place. It is hot. It is a place where real people today are suffering under active torment from the God who is for their belittling of the glory of God. It is not an exclamation or curse for the Christian. What about if we get as close to that line as we can, but we change a letter or two? Is it okay to say, Oh my gosh, or gall darn, or holy fill in the blank, or what the, right, fill in the blank, or dang, or these words, friggin', or freaking, or even sometimes uh, my family down in Texas, I remember uh, one of my uh, my great aunts, she would say, good Lord, have mercy. Is that okay to say that as an exclamation? See, I'm still, I'm still taking his name. I'm coming as close as possible, but I'm trying to not break it. And here's the problem with these. <laughs> if just a couple letters are different, or if I'm texting OMG or OM whatever letter G, I have broken the third commandment because in my heart I'm saying the actual word. And here's the reality. We're not fooling anybody. If you are out in the world and you say friggin' this or friggin' that, people know what you really mean. We should be convicted of this this Christianese that would somehow approach as close as possible to the breaking of the third commandment but somehow think that because a couple letters are different, we've, we've stopped short. Now, we need to be able to express surprise and to express joy and, and frustration in a way that has regard for the name, 
the one who is. And this is going to take work. I have been convicted all week long. I went golfing with Casey and I said, man, I'm telling you, this sermon is convicting. I need your help. You point out if I have this Christianese thing where I come close and, and we were helping one another out as we golfed. And trust me, golf will do that, won't it? Right? I mean, you, you, you hit that shot and you're like, well, look at that. I'm three fairways over to the right. <laughs> what are you going to say in that moment? I'm going with, wow, that's not where I was aiming. Oh, that we would be a people that rather than saying, how close can I get to a, a taking the name in vain, but rather to say, how far can I run from this offense of God? I, I want to be a person. We want to be a people, a church, a congregation, representatives of the name that would so esteem his name that when we speak it, people would know how great he is. That's what we long for. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. He is serious about taking His name in vain, and those who do it will not be guiltless. He will punish. And so we see the flip side of this as well then. Well, what should we do? How is it that we are to take His name? And Jesus answers this question as the very first petition in His instruction on how we are to pray. Our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Let your name be hallowed. And we would say, in me, on my lips, in my mind, in my heart. Oh, Lord, let your name be hallowed. And through me, Lord, accomplish the glory that your name deserves. Glorify your name. In me and through me. Does the way I speak of God and use His name rightly reflect the weight of His infinite glory? That's the goal. That's the goal, friends. That's what we're after. Hmm. So response this morning. I just want to close with this. I, I trust that the Lord is landing this message in your heart heart and your mind in a variety of different ways and that there would be all kinds of conviction of, of light handling of his name and, and different ways that we can apply this sermon and I'm just excited for the Lord to work that out in your life as we go. I, I've experienced that all week long and I continue to, uh, to feel the weight of this third commandment. I'm so grateful for this, this, this week in this text. I want to leave us together today with this request of the psalmist in Psalm 51, verse 15. He says this, O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. That's what we dream. That's what we long for. That when we open our mouth, when our lips move, that the name of God would be glorified held high in a world that has so little regard for it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
Lord, we ask that in this place, in these people, in me, that you would accomplish that request. That your name would be hallowed, regarded, esteemed with the weight and the majesty that it represents of you. Oh, Lord, forgive us for such flippant light regard for your glory, your majesty. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who has made provision for all of the times that we have broken this commandment. We thank you for your forgiveness and we thank you for the the serious, somber reality of his sacrifice for us that has bought us from our offenses and set us free to run this race of faith. Lord, help us to be a people who would speak your name with high regard. For your glory we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.